And I think the most important part of being creative is to have, of course, the freedom, but also have some kind of systems that you work from. So you don't have total freedom, but you have some systems that you, uh, you need to be in this certain kind of frame to work around. Welcome to Generation C, a podcast by Kogus, where we explore creativity, growth, and the good life. My name is Karl Kronika. And my name is Julius Gable. And we are your hosts. And today we are talking with Daniel from Another Aspect. Another Aspect is a Copenhagen-based clothing brand. And we are talking a lot about slowing down and truly enjoying life and how building a startup doesn't have to be a fast journey. And we're also talking with Daniel about Another Aspect's collaboration with grandparents and how they use the elder generation as a source of inspiration. What we're also very curious about is how another aspect have really built this physical clubhouse at their shop here in Copenhagen, where they allow friends of the house to come and hang out and have talks about life. And this is part of all of the things that really have helped them to build a super strong community that goes beyond the, the product. Daniel is just generally a really good guy, so we are really looking forward to having this conversation. And we just hope that you will enjoy this episode as much as we do. So uh, let's get started. When we first met, I don't know, was it your very first physical store at the Ønslækker or was it, have you had stores before that? Uh, it was actually our first store at Ønslækker, yeah. A small little... Uh, Yeah, room essentially, and then with a, a toilet and a kitchen attached to it as well uh, in the back. And yeah, there was a office in the back, and then the shop in the front. Uh, but it was like a small basement, maybe 40 square meters. But it was a really good start for us uh, to have this physical space. Also, we needed an office, and then we had the chance to to do the store as well. So I think that's that was just the yeah what we needed at the moment, and yeah, and then we just evolved from from there. To me, like what stood out at the very first moment when I met you guys, you and Nikolai and, and Anas, was like the kind of the presence that you have and the values that you share. And the, like just being around you guys kind of felt like you're just also down to earth. And of course, you have all kind of grown up in, in northern uh, Jutland. And, and I don't know if there's some some values or some roots in that, but but how do you see like that kind of down to life lifestyle? Yeah, I think we, we want to make people feel good. I think maybe we're a bit pleasers somehow because we just, yeah, want, whenever somebody enters our store, we want them to have a good experience, a better experience than when they came in. So I think it's really important for us to yeah make people feel good and make people feel welcome. Um, that's also one of our core uh, principles of another aspect, the whole kind of community uh, around it that people want to be a part of uh, another aspect. Uh, Based on that, and of course, the tough part is how how do you scale that uh, when we don't when it's not me, Anas, or Nikolai on the shop floor, or, yeah, something like that. So that's what we are in the process of uh, figuring out now. I read on your your website that another aspect is based on this philosophy 
rooted in aesthetic sustainability. Uh, it sounds a bit fancy. What uh, what does that actually mean? It's not even that fancy. It's just going back to uh, to how clothing should be made. We based it around Anas, my partner. He used to study sustainable fashion both here in Copenhagen but also in Amsterdam, and he studied sustainable uh, aesthetic sustainability. And uh, yeah, we based it around all the research and development he did. So that's what we're trying to communicate in, in that sense. And aesthetic sustainability is that, of course, you need uh, sustainable production, you need sustainable fabrics and all this stuff, but it's more like, how can we make the design sustainable? And it's the way we do it is that we do, uh, we take the classic menswear silhouettes, uh, based it around that, and then we redefine it. So it's silhouettes that have stand the test of time. And then we make it in a nice color palette that's, down to earth and easy to already combine with your uh, existing uh, wardrobe. So that's basically what we mean about aesthetic uh, sustainability. We wanted to uh, not educate, but kind of like move the consumer in the right direction. So it's more like they're buying into uh, into stuff they could see themselves wear for a very long time, five to 10 years, instead of buying three, four uh, new shirts every three months. So buy maybe three, four shirts a year, and then wear it for five to 10 years. That's what the, the aesthetic sustainability should help with. So it's easier for them to use it for a longer period of uh, of time. That's also, uh, I guess, the, the paradox about the, the fashion industry that, you know, you can't really be sustainable in, in a dirty industry. But what you can do is that if you make something that you can wear for a long time, that's actually the most sustainable approach you can take. Totally. That's totally our values. And that's what we try to, uh, it's also something you need to earn some money and so on. That's why you're making a lot of new products and, and so on. So we basically sell the same product over and over again. So that's kind of like, a, you need to figure that out to be able to uh, make it a business, a real business. I feel like your, your, uh, like your own personal identity as, as, as Daniel is kind of somewhat the same or at least like very identical with like the another aspect brand. I feel like you very much live the like the way of another aspect. Uh how do you see that in terms of yeah the, the community that you're building? Is that kind of the the lifestyle that you welcome people into this way of living? Yeah, I think we try to uh, make the line between who we are and the brand blurred. So it's uh, when you greet us in another aspect, it's the way you'll greet us if we are at home just make people feel welcome and a lot of our friends is of course they want to hang out at another aspect so it makes it a bit easier to create this environment that it's we call it like a clubhouse uh, almost um, and that's what we try to uh, also when a random person comes in to make them feel that way in one sense or another i think we want the people to not only go to uh, our store to to buy products, but be able to go there to just hang out and talk with the the person on the on the store floor. It could be me, it could be Nebula, it could be Anders. Uh, a lot of our customers they always ask us for advice when we uh, when we go to uh, when we travel. We go to Italy, we go to Portugal, and so on. So we have some customers coming just to get some travel tips to uh, to Florence, and then we just have a small conversation around that and just be able to go there without the feeling of buying a uh, buying in anything i think that's that's the clubhouse feeling uh, in our sense our another aspect is is our life so we try to uh, the line blurred is blurred between uh, our personal life and how we is in the business uh, 
kind of uh, environment. And and those like Italian almost roots or like at least inspirations and also a bit Japanese maybe. Uh, why why is that? I think it's a good mix between uh, we try to be in between Italy and and Japan. Yeah. Also in our silhouettes and I think it's just yeah the Italians they're really known for uh, for quality and setting the the bar high. The same with the Japanese uh, people and this kind of slowness to building a product. I think it's. And then we, of course, have the Nordic minimalism uh, or clean aspect to it. So I think it's it's a nice kind of, uh, there's some synergies between uh, yeah, between the values of the Italian uh, yeah, craftsmanship uh, and the Japanese uh, eye for detail. And do you, do you ever feel like it's it's getting like too slow or when do you kind of add that more like... Uh, do you mean in the process? In the, in the, yeah, maybe in the process or the way that you kind of... Uh, Build the company because I remember we also had a conversation once where you talked about uh, you really value that you don't have like the for instance the pressure of someone just telling you to be at a certain point with the company uh, as, within a certain time and like reaching those like milestones now 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 uh, but you could rather do it in, in like your own tempo. I think it needs to be a balance, but I think we came to a point where we needed these kind of stakeholders to tell us a bit more that we needed to yeah hit these targets and. Uh, going that direction and, and so on. So I think it needs to be a balance. You don't want to be controlled too much, but uh, you should still be able to take your own decisions and, and so on. But we also need to have some stakeholders that we are uh, accountable for. So I think that's, yeah, that's really important. And it's, yeah, it's of course a balance. Who's primarily buying into, of course, the another aspect uh, products, but also the, like the brand universe that you've created. What type of people uh, do, do, uh, do you meet? I think it's, like the responsible consumer, it's it's more than just being the way we produce or design and, and so on. It's more, also more uh, the consumer that are very interesting in a brand and how it's uh, built and and all this stuff. So it's more like it's not only the product, but it's more like, okay, what's behind the, behind the product and, and so on. So I think it's a very informative uh, user that's buying into uh, yeah, another aspect. I think it's a wide range of people, uh, but of course we want to target also in the way we communicate and the way we do our editorial and so on. So it's the creative class we target, but I think we are we can target whoever uh, we want. Uh, in the in the store, we sometimes see that it's both the son and the dad coming in, and they are both uh, going out with uh, something. Could also be the a boy and his girlfriend coming out with uh, something. So I think it's. Uh, I think our product is super, super easy for people to buy into. So uh, if they want to buy beautiful products and yeah, responsible products, I think they, they can definitely buy into it. You did a super cool uh, col- collab with um, uh, uh, grandparents uh, at some point, uh, which I really liked. Uh, and you, you've already worked with this um, reputation of also having, for instance, a bit more say aged people at least in in in, in your uh, branding and in, in the visuals as models and stuff like that uh how do you see that like generational i, w- I wouldn't say gap but like uh, how how do you bridge that in terms of like actually maybe having ma- mainly i i would assume a bit younger audience uh within maybe your own uh, age group uh from from our generation and then kind of uh, selling the lifestyle of more of a like a a grandpa for instance what we think it's good with the and why we did the collab with the with grandparents was kind of like a tribute to uh, the elderly uh, generation 
because of the way they dress and how they dress and this kind of uh, they don't dress to impress anyone it's just like they put on whatever feels good for them we often say that you know when when you get a younger crowd to sort of catch on to something then sometimes the the older generation follows along did you see that happen the other way around when you did this campaign with with the the older generation or didn't it have that uh, effect If we make some clothing that people feels comfortable, I think that that's the most important for people. And they don't. It's not like they are they're dressing up. It's more like they are wearing something nice and they feel really comfortable in it. Uh, so I think that's what we try to uh, communicate and also try to design and and so on. And then I think it's easy. And I don't think it depends on your age. Then I think it's easy to uh, to buy into. And you can. It can be the sun, it can be the dad that's buying into that as long as you want to wear something comfortable and something you, yeah, where you feel yourself and where still your personality is, is getting through and, and so on. Talking about trends, do you think that is like a, a trend or a, a time that we're in at the moment that you're kind of a part of creating yourself and that at some point it would kind of fade away and people will go back to ever-changing, you know, uh, fast fashion, uh, collab, colorful clothing setup or do you think that your your longevity in the brand and in the products will will last in the way we communicate and and so on we we don't look to trends but we are influenced by trends and so on and i think there's a trend at the moment also with the new balance coming up and and all this stuff i think there's a trend that people want to dress a bit like their granddads uh, or their grandmoms uh, so we of course benefited from that that i think People are maybe a bit fed up of all the ever-changing collection and the trends and, and so on, and they just wanted to get back, back to the roots. So the younger generation was looking at the elder generation to uh, to get some inspiration and uh, find some ways to dress and, and so on. And I think we benefited from that and are still benefiting from that in our core collection. I often see, like, you know, talking about trends that... Uh Some trends they they repeat themselves. How do you like navigate in in that when you sort of try to make everlasting concepts? And is it possible to make something that is like everlasting? And I hope it's not a trend. And and I definitely think it's something. Now it's been yeah running for probably five years or so. So I think it's something that uh, that's gonna stick. And uh, there was a change in the. Uh, consumers mindset about uh, regarding products and, and so on and how they're buying into uh, products so i think it's it's something that will stick and uh, yeah, hopefully people will buy uh, better products that's hopefully why it will stick of course it's easy to get influenced by the trends and then it's maybe wider pants and then it needs to be a bit slimmer and, and so on but we try to be in between so it's not super super wide it's not super slim so it's in between and it's a silhouette that has Yeah, been standing the test of time. I think that's kind of like our answer to not jumping on the next trend or, or something like that. Of course, it's tough also uh, with colors and, and so on. Sometimes brown is, is a bit more fashionable and black and, and so on. But we try to uh, stick with our core. And then we maybe have some products that for one or two years, then it's not selling so good and then after two years it's selling better and, and better and better because there's a trend of this certain color uh, being being more popular and so on but we try to stick with the with our core uh, silhouettes and uh, and colors and so on uh, earth tones and and all this stuff still even though it's easy to be uh, influenced 
of certain kind of uh, yeah, trends and, and so on. I just wondered if you see yourself as a creative, uh, Daniel. Yes, I see myself as a creative person. My background is graphic design and I've always been been working with building stuff on the computer. So it's both logos, visual identities and websites and, and, and so on. And uh, I very much like taking something from scratch and then building, be all from the typographies to colors and, and, and so on. And now I just got this aspect that I have a physical product as well, which is quite nice to create something on a computer and then you get a physical uh, product in your hands to touch and feel it and and see the colors in a different way and see how it reacts on a body and, and, and so on. I think that's something uh, I needed from my graphic design uh, experience. And I think the most important part of being creative is to have of course, the freedom, but also have some kind of uh, systems that you work from. So you don't have total freedom, but you have some systems that you uh, you need to be in this certain kind of frame to uh, to work around. How do you put up those uh, processes? And then do you ever see that when you don't do that, that it kind of leads to being uh, maybe less creative or like, uh, yeah, w- when have you been, when are you in your best creative shape? I think in the another aspect kind of uh, set up, then we have, of course, we have a very small collection. So we need to be really creative when we do a new product and what kind of product we need to add and and so on. And we also need to think uh, the sustainable part into it. And that's also uh, something that if if you want to have both, but it, I think it's a good challenge that you need to work around and it's good. You need to do a bit more research than just building something. Uh, but I think it's it's good that... You have these thoughts and uh, and being a bit more responsible uh, while you're still creative. It's fun that you're saying it. I, I think I read this study uh, where they they actually you know compared the creative process of someone just uh, worked you know without any structure, without any process, and then someone else who actually followed a, a strict process. And they found out that those who came up with what was seen as being most creative, that was the ones who uh, followed the strict process so it makes a lot of sense that you can actually be more creative you need to have again some stakeholders or something like that to uh, be able to do your best job given that like the uh, the majority of the customers of, of another aspect is as you mentioned within the like creative class so to speak is, is that like where you also found find your own inspiration for for getting creative is that talking also with with other like creatives that that is somewhat within the an, another aspect universe as a customer or as a like friend of the house or or where do you seek your your inspiration i think it's both from customers and from partners and so on. we work a lot with architects and and we also have a lot of customers in the food industry so i think it's it's a mix mainly it's people from or working with something else creative that are, i find the the inspiration makes sense and, and you also uh, do a lot of these like um I would say like partnerships or creative collabs where, for instance, this Sunday you brought, uh, what was his name again? Matty Pinchy. Matty Pinchy. So this guy making a lot of delicious eggs uh, at, at your store and then had a, had a lot of people drop by for that event, making a bit of a pop-up to actually provide some other value just than, you know, walking by the store on a regular day. Finding those like uh, interesting angles, so to speak, to bring in people from from your network to do s- such things who comes yeah, up with these have ideas a and, and, and why do you do that? It's easy to connect with other creatives and, and so on. And I think you are 
you're looking uh, at other creative and, and so on. And then through Instagram today, you can reach a lot of people. If you have the same kind of aesthetics or values and, and so on, then you there's already a connection. And then it's just a DM away uh, to make something happen, to make an event like this. Uh, this Sunday, we had this event where we invited Matty Pinchy, or he's also our friend, but uh, we know each other through Instagram. And so on. we invited him to uh, come and cook some omelets in the, in the backyard uh, or in the courtyard of, of the store. And I open on Sunday, so to to do something else. Cool. I was just a bit curious in terms of like what what lies behind making such an event like come to life. What's like the timeline? Do you make it happen like a few weeks, or is it something you have planned well in advance? And me and Matthew has been we were talking about it for maybe two months or so, and then we first decided on a date, but it couldn't uh, we couldn't make it happen. And then I think three weeks prior to this Sunday, we said, all right, we are going to do it this Sunday. And he's he did like this promotion tour because he's opening up a new cafe. So he's doing this new promotion tour. So he had an event on Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. So he had, it was a quite simple setup and, and so on. And he had it all ready and he was quite, just opened the door and he came in and set it all up and packed it all down and, and so on. So it was really easy for us to uh, to set up an event like this. And, and speaking about like using another aspect as a platform to kind of connect with other creatives around the world personally, but also, of course, in, in collaboration with another aspect, like uh, you mentioned, for instance, when you did this pop up that you kind of connected uh, with Matty uh, via kind of having the same aesthetics uh, and like via kind of having the same view of the world and the same values. What type of like creatives do you look for ideally teaming up with and, and how do you kind of find that uh, match in terms of values and, and, and aesthetics? I think it can both be, we're working with a lot of photographers and, and so on. So it, it's both photographers. It's also uh, people from the from the food industry and architects and, and, and so on. And uh, we work a lot with the, not only the product, it's also people and so on. So we are looking a lot, we are doing a lot of research on, on Instagram, uh, finding these people So we can use them uh, in our kind of like editorial uh, series that we do on another aspect. So it could also be an introduction from friends. So we have friends all over the world and we ask them, all right, if we, we need a photographer in New York, can you recommend one? It sounds like you're really good at like uh, spotting a good opportunity and also getting a, a good idea in, in terms of what you can do to sort of build on your brand. And I was just wondering... How do you decide what is like a great match and what isn't? And also what kind of selection process do you go through to sort of decide that we're going to go with this idea or we're going to go with this idea? Because when you have all those great ideas, then at the end of the day, you probably have to like uh, say, okay, we're going to go with this. I'm a lot about just going with something and then uh, testing while you go so just if you have a couple of ideas then it's the idea that has the best gut feeling and then go with that and then if it doesn't work then you uh, adjust it and make it uh, even better uh, so it's just a lot of about just executing the idea i think that's the most important thing to do when you yeah when you're trying something new out or it could be if you're going with a new photographer just of course i'm screening them based on their portfolio and what they have done before and, and so on but sending them some stuff and make them do their job and then uh, make them come back with the result and then see if you can use it or not you can 
overthink a lot of things. So uh, I think it's just about going out there and doing doing some stuff. Have you ever had like an an idea where you thought it was brilliant, but then you told it to uh, Nikolai and Anders, and they were like, "I know that's not a great idea." If that was the case, like, how did you go about that? I think we we're doing that almost daily. That we have these uh, ideas in our head that we don't, want, and then we want to execute, and then when it come out in reality, then it's maybe a bit bad idea, or it's it's not going to work the way you uh, you wanted it to work. So then you are you're trying to adjust it. Yeah, of course we are. Uh, We're giving each other feedback on it and and, and so on and uh, telling uh, what's not working and what we maybe need to adjust and, and and so on. But I think we got a certain framework now, so we have some few kind of like building blocks, and then we we take these and use that, and then we know it's gonna work. I feel like you've really been successful at staying true to like who you are and your values and and brand. Do you ever conflict with like? For instance, when teaming up with other people that you want to work with, where you know sometimes you might get tempted by an opportunity that is, you know, that might be good short term, uh, like commercially, and and you could benefit from that, but might not, you know, add value to brand long term, and and might be conflicting with like the the the, the aesthetics and the, the values and like the lifestyle that you represent. And what do you do in, the, in those situations? I think it's decisions that we need to uh, be able to take every day. To all right what's gonna benefit the brand and what's gonna benefit bottom line and, and, and so on. And I think especially in the beginning here, we have been very sensitive of not jumping on the best idea or something that's not gonna benefit the brand. So we have been, it's been all about the brand and then maybe a bit less about the bottom line because I think it's crucial in the beginning that the, it's all about the brand and then the sales will uh, will come later on. So you'll benefit from that five, 10 years in the future. So we have been very sensitive with the partners we work with, all from the retail stores and so on. We have said no to a lot of uh, stores that maybe could earn us some some good money and so on, but that's not going to add something to the brand. So uh, I think it's yeah decisions that we need to take uh, every day. And sometimes we, we take the wrong decision, but I think overall we have been taking uh, some decisions that we... So we stay true uh, to the brand and the people can can see that the brand in all the decisions that we take. It has been impressive to see from the outside as well, the, the way that you've been able to do all these kind of different events and initiatives. And it really seems like it's on brand every single time. It must be must be a, quite a discipline to be able to do that again and again. So uh, at Generation C, we really wanted to like explore how the the good life looks for for someone. And you know, we've talked a bit about it, and it's it's hard to find you know the good life that is the same good life for everyone because it really differs from person to person. So so I think we would be super curious to just hear like how the the good life does look like for you. It's a really good question, and it's a tough one to answer and uh, I don't think I got the right answer but my answer will be that in between the time that you wake up and until you go to bed that you can decide almost all the time what you want to work on and and have this kind of like freedom to decide what what you do with that time I think that's that's a good life to me of course it's not always like that and you have some some stakeholders and so on you need to uh, take into that kind of like uh, but I think that's what will be the good life to me if you can control that time and be in charge of your own own time. Also really sounded like earlier in in our talk here that, you know, 
if you take in an ex- external stakeholder or internal stakeholder in in another aspect, it will sort of be on your premise in in the sense that you know you would actually want to have that accountability partner in in the setup. So hopefully they won't pressure you more than than what you need and and what you want. So you could say that you still have the the freedom despite being accountable to someone else. Yeah, and that's of course something you think about when you are looking to take in some stakeholders and and so on if they're gonna make you not uh, able to control your uh, your everyday time and, and, and so on. So I think that's yeah one of the biggest criteria that we have that we're able to control uh, the time ourselves and, and still be able to uh, take our own choices. Talking about the the good life and, and the way that you live your, your life at the moment, have it always been like that or have you at, at times uh, when looking back at your younger self lived your life differently and, and then having to to move that around? Yeah, I had a dad that was also an entrepreneur and, and so on. So I was letting a lot to myself. So I think it's, I was able to control my time when I was a, a child a lot by myself. So I think it's something that I wanted to keep on doing. And that's also why I wanted to, to be my own boss and, uh, and start my own company to be able to, uh, to control my own time and, uh, not have a stakeholder that's saying what I needed to do and then so on. I, I didn't uh, function under that kind of uh, circumstance. I've always knew that I wanted to uh, create my own uh, company and be my own boss somehow, even though I'm, I have two partners and, and so on, but I'm still able to uh, to create my own day and uh, and my own task and, and, and so on. And that desire to like have complete freedom of your own time and, and, and control your own life and sign it almost on a day-to-day basis on like, what do I want to do today? And then you can go do that without having anyone to ask you questions about why that and, and all that. How do you feel like your life would be if, uh, if, if that wasn't the case? If I get an idea, I want to test it and execute on it uh, right away. So if I was not able to do that, then uh, I think I'll not be happy. And are there any other values besides, for instance, freedom and controlling your own time that you feel like is important for you to, yeah, in order to live your uh, your best life? I've seen that it's important for me to have something besides work. So it can be a lot of work and, and so on, but you also need to have some, it's not a work-life balance, but it's more like have something else than not work. It could be a Sunday league match with the, with your friends or something like that, just to have something to get your brain off of work and you break these patterns that you have in your uh, in your everyday life i think that's that's really important it could also be just traveling for a week going somewhere break this pattern i think it's really important for me to do this every three months or so to uh, break these patterns do my best kind of work when i come back and with a fresh perspective it sounds a bit like you know your your father played somewhat of an important role in terms of like giving you the the source of inspiration and the drive to start something yourself. Can you tell a bit more about like how your relationship have been with your dad? Yeah, I think my dad, he showed me that you can build something from scratch and then uh, build it into something that can sustain your lifestyle and and, and so on. And uh, my dad, he was was selling cars. So uh, I've been, of course, taught uh, all these... uh, sales techniques and, and so on from a very young age. And uh, he took me in and kind of like uh, was teaching me how to sell a car. And I started with cleaning a car and just 
building, uh, I was yeah, uh, working my way up there. So I think he was a big inspiration in uh, in telling me that, that you can uh, build something from scratch and make it sustain both your own lifestyle and hire some employees and, and so on and, and make something. I've only seen my dad doing that, so that's also what I wanted to do. This notion of the everyday life, you also talked a lot about like cloth is designed for like the everyday life and, and you value very much the everyday life, almost like a dentoral. Uh, how do you see that in terms of the way that you live your life? Yeah, I think I'm in a pretty, really good place doing business with the two of my best friends and, and so on. So spending a lot of times with the, with people I uh, really care about and uh, and feel good being around. So I think I'm in a, in a really good place. I think it's also back to the other question. It's, of course, you can be too much everyday life and you can be stuck in the hamster wheel somehow. But I think it's really important in your also to be able to could be a small thing like just taking a different route to while you're biking to work, just taking a different route or something like that. Just doing these small things that's part of your everyday life. But um, I like uh, routines, so... And that's a big part of the, the everyday life. And the small things in in life, I like that very much. It could be my morning kind of coffee ritual or something like that. I think it's really important for me to function, for my day to be, yeah, like a success. I'm a fan of the, the everyday life, but it needs to be space for adventure and, and, and so on. Really sounds like you are at a, a good place in your life right now, because you said, you know, if you weren't there, you wouldn't be happy, but, but it sounds like you perhaps are quite happy where you are at the moment. Uh, came to think about like this whole Italian way of, of living. Where did that come from in, in your life? Actually came quite late in my life. It's also, of course, building another aspect and so on. We have spent a lot of time in, in Italy, but I think it comes back to uh, the Italian way of doing things when it comes to cars, it comes to architecture and food and, and so on. Just the, the eye for detail and setting the bar so high. I think that's very much my values as well. So I think I can definitely see myself being an Italian. And of course, now we have spent a lot of time in, in, in Italy and Florence and, and so on. And it's just, I'm starting to, to love it even more and, and, and so on, the more you, you're being there. But of course, you're also a bit biased when you travel to a country and, and so on. It's, it's only the good stuff that you are noticing and, and, and so on. But I think there's some shared values and... And just the way they live their life. I also think Italians are very much into their everyday life, just sitting at a cafe, people watching or sipping their coffee or something like that. Uh, I think that's something that talks a lot to, uh, to me and the way I live my life. And with that, we finish up this episode with Daniel from Another Aspect. We hope you have enjoyed it. And as always, you can find more episodes of Generation C in your podcast app or on the Cobus website. My name is Carl. And my name is Julius. And you have listened to Generation C.